Well, it's good to have you here with us this morning. Uh, this morning, after the service, we will take communion. Uh, we always try to do this on the first Sunday of every month. Uh, that way, we don't forget about it. Uh, communion is very important. This is simply we're remembering what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did for us on that cross, and we're just paying a tribute back to Him salvation for his eternal life and for all that he's done and so after the service this morning after the message we will take communion and uh, like Tommy said now next Sunday y'all be here and uh, please stay with us and we're going to have briskets and sausage and uh, we're going to have just a great meal we're going to have our Thanksgiving dinner next door and uh, be a lot of good food and uh, I'm going to try to get a hold of a couple people that I've talked to and invite them to see if they'll come and join us. And, uh, and that is uh, Juan and his wife that was in the car wreck. Uh, he's doing a lot better. And uh, see if they would like to come and join us uh, for, for dinner. And uh, if you got any loved ones here in town visiting, bring them. And we'll just have a great time uh, in the Lord. And, uh, of course, we, uh, we'll announce it later, but we will have a short service Christmas morning. Uh, you know, the 25th falls on Sunday. And I've had several people ask me, are you going to do a service? And I feel like we need to. I mean, that's what Christmas is. It's, it's celebrating Christ and his birthday. And uh, it will be a short service, but uh, I, I just feel like we need to honor Jesus Christ. Nobody knows if that's truly his birthday, but it's very close, everybody says. So, but anyway, regardless of what day he was born on, we can celebrate the 25th and, and, and give the meaning out of our heart to him and thanks. So we will have a short service Sunday morning, uh, Christmas morning. And uh, nearly everybody now pretty well celebrates a lot of their Christmas on Christmas Eve. And then Sunday morning we'll do it at the normal time. And that'll still give the family time for the kids to get up and see what Santa Claus brought them, you know. And uh, so, but anyway... Uh, just wanted to remind us of this, and uh, Robbie will be taking the briskets and the, and the sausage home with him today, and he'll bring it back Saturday and have it all cooked up and ready to go for Sunday. And remember this Saturday, again, men's breakfast. We're going to have a men's breakfast. Uh, we just have a good time of fellowship, and we have a word from the Lord, uh, devotion, and... Uh, and just a, a very good breakfast. And so we just kind of come together and sometimes we'll be there for just a short time, but uh, it's a good time. It's a good time to, and sometimes the men have something maybe they'd want to talk about or something going on and we discuss that. So uh, anyway, if you can be here, please. We'll get here and we'll start cooking and everything, but we'll, we'll probably start serving somewhere probably around 8, 8.15, and then we're usually out of here by 
at least 9.30 and uh, everything. So it's not a long, drawn-out deal if you got things to do. But this morning, I wanted to bring you a message, and, it, and it's a message that I think a lot of people wonder about. And I've entitled this, Will God Continue to Forgive Us If We Sin After Being Saved? I've had a number of people ask me, you know, sometimes, they'll, they'll, they'll tell me, sometimes I don't feel like I'm saved. Sometimes I doubt, am I saved? If you have really come to the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart and ask him, Lord, forgive me of my sins. He said, you are saved. If you ask in your heart, you truly want to be forgiven. God does not turn anybody away. He wants you to come to him. And, uh, and as I was studying on this, it says, uh, if you truly receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior by faith, you know, that's very important, receiving him by faith. It says, and still have an uneasy feeling wondering whether you are really saved or not. Chances are this is Satan coming against you. But the day you accept Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Satan becomes your worst enemy. He's already an enemy. But when you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord and be my Savior, that really hacks the devil off. And he is more and more after you than he's ever been because he does not want you in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants you to come to him. He wants to be your God. You know, and the Bible tells us that Satan is the God of this world. Of this world. Of earth. You know, man turned that earth over to Satan. Adam turned the earth over to Satan. God put uh, Adam in complete dominion over everything. And Adam gave it up when he sinned and he gave it to the devil. God never meant sin to enter the world. He never meant for death to enter the world. He never meant for sickness. But that was brought on by Satan. And, uh, you know, Satan, he hates it when people are delivered out of his hands. So he tries to plant seeds of doubt in your mind about if you are truly saved. I don't know, maybe some of you in here, maybe you had this cross your mind. Am I truly saved? Did Jesus really forgive me of my sins? And like I said, if you ask in faith, believing in your heart, yes, he did. You are saved if you ask him and you meet it. And, uh, you know, one of Satan's greatest tools that he uses is doubt. He will make you doubt your salvation he will make you doubt if Christ really loved you. He will make you doubt, did Christ really die? And then was he resurrected again? Satan will bring every bit of this kind of stuff to your mind, trying to cause doubt into your mind and make you wonder, am I saved? Am I really saved? You know, uh, like I said, one of Satan's greatest tools is uh, to cause doubt in our mind and to continually remind us of our past, of our sins. 
Now he'll come against you. He'll tell you. He'll ask you. You think that your God can forgive you for all that you've done? You know how you lived your life. You know the kind of life you had. And you think God will forgive that? Well, we know he will. But he's trying to put doubts in your mind, making you wonder, am I truly saved? Did God really forgive me? You know, uh, Satan is such a schemer. He, had, he, he has all kinds of tricks and things that he uses. You know, the devil's attacks on us make it hard for us to believe sometimes even the promises of God and what God is saying. I'll tell you what, I'd like to challenge you someday to pick up your Bible and look at the promises that God has made us. I've got a little book at home. It was given to me a number of years ago by a little lady. I was working for an oxygen company, and she was one of the people that I, I, I went and seen. And we, we would talk, and we would pray, and uh, everything. And she gave me this book. She said, I, I, she'd had it herself. And she said, I want to give you this now. She said, I've looked at it and read it and read it, but it's called The Promises of God. And it, it, it goes through there and it lists a number of the promises that God has made us. You know, if God has made us a promise, we can count on it. If God did not keep his promise, we could call God a liar. And, it says, and for God is a God that cannot lie. When he has made us a promise, he has told us something, God will do it. God is obligated to do it. Just like when we come to God, we say, Lord... And, I, you know, I, I kind of hate to do this, but many people, I've had people tell me, if, if God will heal my loved one, I'll never miss church. I'll love the God. I'll worship God. God will be number one in my life, and I will always be in church if he will heal my loved one. Well, I happen to know for a fact that uh, this happened. And this person that told me this was pretty, pretty faithful for all oh, a couple weeks. And they started missing a Sunday. And they started two And then pretty soon, they were completely out of church. Wasn't even coming back. And uh, he called me. He says, I want to ask you a question. He said, I know I made God a promise. And I didn't keep it. Now my loved one is not doing very well again. I said, when you make God a promise, I said, you stand by that promise. When God makes you a promise, he stands by that promise. And he expects us to stand by our promises. When God says, when you call upon me in faith, believing, and you ask me to save you, I have forgiven all of your sins. You don't have to worry about whether you're saved or not. Because you are. I made you a promise. And I will stand by my promises. I will keep my promises. And I will not turn away from them. So when, when we, God tells us something and he makes a promise. 
it was he's going to keep it. I'm going to look at a scripture here in, in just a moment, but it tells us something. It's a promise that God has made us, and it's not that God only forgives our sins, but he completely removes them from his presence, and he says he never remembers them again. He don't bring them back up. He'll come back and say, well, I know, but do you remember when you did so-and-so? God doesn't do that. He says, I have forgot them. I have forgive you. These sins exist no more, and I do not see them. So God does not bring your sins back up and hold them against you. They're gone. And, uh, you know, the real key to receiving God's forgiveness in our life is simply doing away with our doubts. When God says something, yes, God, I believe this, amen. You know what amen means? So be it. That's what amen means. So be it. When we pray and we say amen at the end of our prayer, we say, Lord, so be it. And when God makes us a promise, it's just like he's saying, so be it. This is the way it will be. And uh, maybe you've struggled with believing God has really forgiven your sin. Well, I want to look at this uh, scripture I told you about. That's in Psalms 103, verse 12. And I really like this because it, it really says something to us here. It says, I want you all to listen to what God is saying. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has I removed your sins from you. And when <clears throat> I removed your sins from you. And uh, so when God removes our sins, He forgets them. He don't call them back. He don't, he don't say, hey, like I said a while ago, you remember when you did this? You remember this? You remember that? No, see, because those sins are gone, and God does not remember them anymore. And when we confess our sins to God, you have to believe something. They are forgiven. They're gone. They no longer exist in God's sight, in God's heart. Those sins are gone. And, you know, Satan's going to keep trying to bring them back up to you. And one of the most effective things Satan uses on Christians is to convince them that their sin is not really forgiven even though God has promised that it is. Now, if we don't believe God when he makes us a promise and we're listening to, to Satan making all these accusations, if you're not listening to God, who are you listening to? You're listening to Satan, the father of all lies. You know, even the Bible tells us that the truth is not in Satan. Anytime Satan opens his mouth and he says anything, it's a lie. Satan does not know the truth. And that's all he does is lie to God's people and try to convince them they're not saved, that God does not love you, and that God does not care anything about you. Well, and we know for a fact that the Bible tells us that God has loved us with what? An everlasting love. A love that will never end. And so when God makes us a promise, we can count on that promise from God as being the truth. You don't have to, you don't have to keep worrying about it. You know, if God said it, like I said, so be it. God said it, I believe it, I'm standing on it. And that is, uh, when we read our Bible, 
and we read God's Word, I've had a lot of people tell me, say, well, I know that's what the Bible says, but there's nobody in there. If God said it, so be it. That's the way it is. There's no buts. He said it, He meant it, and that's the way it is. You know, God even tells us that we are not to change up His Word. We're not to take away from it, and we're not to add to it. God's got it in there exactly the way He wants it, what He wants us to know. And uh, over there in Revelations, it tells us that if we take away from His Word, He will take away us out of the book of life. If we add to it, He will add to us the diseases and the different things that went on in the world. He'll, he'll add those to us. So he said, when you add to or take away from my word, you are not believing what I said. And many people, they said, well, I have a problem with this, that, that when God says something like this, why? God, the creator of all the world, creator of all things, knows exactly what he's doing. He made promises that he intends to keep and that he will do what his word says he will do. So we don't have to doubt him. We just have to say, yes, Lord, thank you. I'm going to stand on that promise. And uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, God's got another passage in his Bible here that he gave us. And... Uh, Many of us overlook it. I've used it quite a few times in church and in my sermons. That God made us a promise on something. Listen to this right here. It's, and I'll probably, you're probably going to know what it is. It's 1 John 1 9. God knew that we were going to have a problem, He knew that Satan was going to harass us. I mean, look at Jesus. He tempted Jesus in all things. Matter of fact, it says that Jesus was tempted in all ways that we are tempted. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're suffering with. Because he was tempted just like you are, but he did not go into sin. He did not, he did not fall for the temptation. And, uh, but here it says that if we will confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, or for, to cleanse us from all our sins. Uh, you know, this is really, to tell you the truth, this is a great promise from God. God will cleanse us from our sin if we will come to him and confess it. We have to confess our sin when we sin. We have, Lord, I made a mistake. Lord, I made a mistake, and I'm coming to you asking for your forgiveness. And the Lord will forgive you. And uh, even when, not if, but when we stumble or make a mistake, we can still be cleansed, we can be forgiven, and we can be restored. And the devil's going to tell you you can't. He's going to put such doubts in your mind. You know, I've, I've, I've had people tell me that they have, with, with the doubt and the things going through their mind, they said they have even gotten sick. At their stomach, they said they just, it, it, it bothered them so bad. And they thought, I've ruined my life. God will never forgive me. But that's what Satan's telling them. I said, God can forgive you. I said, there's only one sin in the Bible that they say that God cannot forgive. One sin. 
And that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Do you know what blaspheming the Holy Spirit really means? Not believing in God, not believing in the Holy Spirit, not believing in Jesus. And if you cannot believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, you can't be saved. And if you can't be saved, your sins can't be forgiven. So that's what it's talking about, is unbelief in the things of God. If you, if you believe God, if you believe God's Word and what God has said, you have not blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Even if you begin to wonder, I wonder if I've blasphemed the Holy Spirit. If that's really on your mind and bother you, no, you haven't. Because God's still in your heart and He's making you think about what you're thinking. He says, no, you have not blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And I forgive you. And here... <clears throat> God, like I said, God knew that we was going to have a problem. He knew that Satan was going to cause us a big problem. And I want to look at something here in Revelations chapter 12, verse 12. God, now this is God speaking. And he's, he's warning us. He's telling us. So listen to it. God is saying, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe! to those who inhabit the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down to you. Listen, coming, he has come down to you having great wrath or great anger because he knows he has but a short time. He's going to do everything that he can to destroy you. He knows he don't have much time. You know, right now, and every, every, probably every Christian realizes that we are closer to Jesus coming back than we've ever been. We are so close that, you know, it, it's like the next thing on, on, on the agenda is for Jesus to come back is the rapture. And nothing, and the thing about it is, nothing has to happen, nothing has to take place, everything's in place right now for Christ to come back. Only thing he's waiting for is for the Father to look over there at him. You know, right now Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he's waiting for the Father to look over there at him and say, Son, go get my children. Go get my church. Because it's getting time for God to start pouring out his wrath on all the ungodly. You talk about an ungodly world. Every one of us have heard what happened over here in paradise here the other day. A little seven-year-old girl murdered. That is the work of Satan. Every day, there's things going on in this world that Satan is causing. Like I said, he is the God of this world. He hates the Lord. He hates God. He hates the Holy Spirit. He hates us because we are the creation of God. He would destroy every one of us. He would destroy our children, our family, if he could. But you know, when, I don't know about a lot of you, but I know we have turned our children, our grandchildren, over to the protection of God. 
asking him to protect our family, protect our grandkids. I've turned this church over to God. Protect this church. Protect those who are in here. Watch over them. Keep them safe. Because Satan wants to destroy you. Because you're in God's house. You're worshiping God. You love God. And Satan does not like that at all. So this is what, this is what, what, what uh, God meant when he said, Woe to those who live upon the earth. And for the devil is come down to you having a great wrath because God kicked him out of heaven because he knows he now he has but a short time. He, now, he knows he has to do what he's got to do and he's got to do it in a hurry. So Satan and all his demons are working overtime. They're doing everything they can to come against the house and the children of God. You know, and just think about something. We're talking about, for, about forgiveness. Because of Christ's forgiving power, we can be made clean. We can be forgiven when we stumble in our walk. And I'm going I'm to venture to say this. Every one of us have stumbled. We've made mistakes, even after accepting Jesus Christ. You have an enemy out there, like I said, and he is going to be tormenting you. He's going to be coming against you. He's going to be doing everything in his world. He's going to be putting people in your path that can just irritate you so bad that there's no telling what you're going to say to them. The thing to do. You know, I'm going to say this. I've had to say some things to people, but before I'd say it, I'd sit down, I'd get quiet, and I'd go before God. I'd say, God, you put in me what you want me to say. You put into me what you want me to say. So, yes, God forgives us. He forgives us. But, you know, we have to walk with God and we... You know, when, when I, I wrote something down here. It says, when we stumble in our walk, if we will humbly seek God's forgiveness, He'll forgive us. Humbly. Knowing that, hey, I made a mistake. God, I'm humbly coming to you on my knees asking for your forgiveness. You know, one of Satan's lies is to make us think we have no hope. There's no way that we can be forgiven, no way we can be healed, or no way that we can be restored. That's what he tells us. Satan will try to make us feel so consumed by guilt that we do not feel worthy of God's grace. But we'll think about something. When were we, when were we ever worthy? We wasn't. God loves us. He forgave us. And he chose us to be in Christ before the foundation of the world. He's already loved us. He chose us. It was not because of anything we did. It was because of his love that he chose us to be in Christ. And uh, we need to remember that there is no place that we go that God's grace cannot reach us. Many people think, there's no way that God can forgive me. There's no way that God can save me. Yes, he can, if you truly want him to. If you truly ask him and mean it in your heart. You know, God is, 
and there's no place, you know, there's no, there's, we can't sink deep enough in what they call the miry clay that God cannot reach down and pull us out. And sometimes we've been there. We've been there. And it was by the grace and the love of God that he reached down and pulled us out and restored us. If we could realize God's love and how much he loves us, we wouldn't be doubting what God says. When we read God's word, it ought to be, well, God said it, good enough for me. I believe it. And I guess that's one thing about God's word. I don't doubt any of it. If God put it there, it's true. If God give it to us, it's true. If God put it there for us to read, it's for us. He is, he is telling us, when I make you a promise, I will keep that promise. I will walk with you. I'll be with you. When you make a mistake, I will restore you. When you have sinned, and you will confess it to me, I will restore you. I'll forgive you. You know, that's just like old David. He made a lot of mistakes in his life. But the thing, and I told you all this before, one of the most wonderful things about David that I like is David not, never tried to blame his sin on somebody else. Oh, he made me do it. Oh, I didn't want to do it, but he made me do it. Nobody's going to make you do anything that you don't want to do. And then David said, I went before the Lord, and I confessed my sins, and I held back nothing. He told him everything. He didn't try to sugarcoat his sins or, well, I know God, but, you know, when we just really look at it, they wasn't that bad. Yeah, sins are bad. But David said, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. David said that several times over in the Psalms. Forgive me, for I have sinned. I made the mistake. I did it. And David knows he did it. But God restored him. David come to him with a contrite, he said a contrite heart. What is a contrite heart? A contrite heart is a heart that's right with God that believes God's word, that believes what God says. It's a heart that loves God. It's a heart that wants to please God. It's a heart that wants to do what God's word tells them to do. And David really wanted to do that. Well, you know, and two, what about old Paul? He wrote about three-fourths of the New Testament. But Paul said something. Paul made mistakes. You know, he can write the New Testament and do all this, and yet he still makes mistakes. Yeah. Paul says, in his, in, in his word, he says, I do things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I know I should do. How many of us are like that? Probably all of us. But God says, if you'll come to me, I will forgive you. I will restore you. So why do we still want to have sin in our life when Christ offers us to make us whole? to make us right in the eyes of God and give us eternal life in heaven with Him. 
He said, well, how many times can I come before God and he'll forgive me? As often as you truly mean it. As often as you truly mean it. You know, I'm going to read you a scripture. And this is Peter. Peter thought he was being very generous when he'd come to God, or to, you know, he'd come to Jesus. And he says, how often should I forgive when someone asks me? And, Jesus, and, and Peter says, should I forgive them? Seven times? You know, seven times is not a bad number there. Somebody sinned against you seven times. Are you going to continue to forgive them when they come back the eighth time? Jesus said we should. Listen, I'm going to read you this, this scripture. It's Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? And then Jesus said unto Peter, Peter, I say not unto thee, not seven times, but until seventy times seven. Seventy times seven. You know, that's 490 times, and that there's just kind of a figure of speech saying, as often as someone comes to you and asks you to forgive them, and they mean it in their heart, and you know that they're sincere, forgive them. So when we come to God, if God didn't do what he says to do right here, God would be lying to us, wouldn't he? God is not a liar. The Bible says, for he is a God that cannot lie. But when you come to him and ask in your heart, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned against you, and I'm coming to you asking you to forgive me. He forgives you. That he takes that sin and he casts it as far as the east from the west, never to remember it again. It's gone. He's not going to bring it back up to you. He's not going to confront you with it. It's like that sin that never happened. You've been forgiven. That sin is gone. It's over with. Forget it. And don't let Satan bring it back up to you. Yes, God will forgive us. When we are saved and we make mistakes, God can still forgive us. And many people have wondered, well, God saved me, but yet I failed him. I, I, I slipped. Look at Peter. He slipped. He denied Jesus. Many people have made mistakes, and God says, I forgive you. I forgive you. That is what we call a loving God. A God that loves us with an everlasting love. So when Satan comes against you and tries to make you doubt that you can't be forgiven, that God doesn't love you, you're through, you're washed up, you might as well just throw in the towel. No. God loves me, and he has forgiven me, and I'm receiving his forgiveness. So Satan, you need to go on. Don't let him just pester you and keep coming against you. Because he will if you let him. You know, what's the best way to stop Satan's when he comes against you? The Word of God. Whenever Satan was tempting Jesus in the desert, Jesus used the Word of God.
to turn Satan away. Satan come to Jesus. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. The first thing that, that Satan hit him with, he said, he's going to be hungry. He's going to be weak. He'll fall for this. He says, if, try to even try to make Jesus doubt his own self. If you be the son of God, turn these rocks into bread. You're, you're bound to be hungry. And Jesus just looked at, just looked at Satan and says, Every said every word you go by every word that comes out or proceeds from the from the mouth of God, and God told told him said you do not live by bread alone, but you live by every word that comes out of my mouth. Hold on to what I've told you, believe what I've told you, and stand on what I've told you, and I will walk with you. I'm going to ask the band to come up, and if they will, uh, if you're going through something right now, say, Satan hitting, hitting you, may, trying to make you doubt that God loves you, that God cares, and you're fighting. We have altars up here, and God wants to talk to you this morning. He wants to let you know, I'm with you. I have never left you, and I'll never forsake you. I will always be right by your side, and when you go through these things, I'll be right there with you. We have to remember, Jesus loves you. He cares about you. He cares about what you go through. And he's ready to just embrace you and hold you and let you know, I love you. I'm with you. Yes, I have forgiven you. So don't sit there and worry about if, if he's forgiven you. Just know he has. So I'm going to ask the bands if they would to play. And like I said, we got the altars here. If you just need to talk to God for, for a minute and maybe thank him for forgiving you, please do. I'm going to be down front if you'd just like to have a prayer. I'll be glad to pray with you.